The Florida Panthers returned home for the first time in about three weeks, but unfortunately, their nine-game winning streak was snapped at the hands of the Nashville Predators. But we are going to bring in Jacob Winans on today's episode of Lockdown Florida Panthers, where we discuss uh, this home loss against Nashville and what went wrong in this one, and also look ahead to the rest of this homestand on today's episode of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to this Wednesday, February 23rd edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thank you for making the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. Let me introduce myself. My name is Armando Velez. I'm from pantherparkway.com. You can follow me on Twitter at monoman 12 Follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore FLA Panthers. Don't forget to also follow Lockdown NHL and the Crosscheck NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. We'll be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. So a little bit of housekeeping stuff for uh the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. We are now doing themes for the podcast where every Wednesday now we are bringing in Jacob Winans, my my fellow friend and multiple time guest on the show. Uh, we are calling these episodes on Wednesdays, Winans Wednesdays as a little bit of a theme. And I'm Jacob, welcome once again to the show. And thank you once again for coming up um, and coming on to the show for this new um, theme of Locked On Panthers. Yeah, man, happy to be here. I was uh, definitely thrilled that you came to me with the idea, and um, yeah, really looking forward to it. Thanks, man, and for for sure. And we're also going to do the same thing on Fridays, but we won't uh, say that for the audience until Friday comes. So the keeping the listeners on their toes a little bit for for what's going to be going on on Fridays, but. Let's talk about Tuesday's night's game against Nashville. So the Florida Panthers return home. They lo- lose by a final score of 6-4 to four at the hands of the Nashville Predators, a team that just snapped their four-game losing streak, a team that gave up eight power play goals in their last four games, um, and kind of a team that had a bunch of gaps in between their games before uh, playing this one. They start up their backup goaltender in David Riddich, um, in this one, uh, right before they take on the Dallas Stars on Pekka Rene's uh, um, jersey retirement night and before their stadium series game against Tampa Bay. But what would you say is your biggest takeaway of this 6-4 to four loss against the Nashville Predators? Yeah, so um, the Panthers, they haven't really had any home struggles, but if there's one thing we can point to as kind of a minor issue, it's usually that first game back at home coming off a road trip. Uh, a lot of teams struggle with that. It uh, can be a little bit challenging to get your legs under you in that first game back home. Um, tonight, it didn't seem to be so much the legs. It just seemed to be some, some mental errors here and there. Um, definitely no cause for overreaction or panic, but it, it's just something they might, they, they'll want to address going forward. Uh, just starting off homestands well, coming off a road trip. Um, and then just, we, we kind of got goalied a little bit. Um, it's hard to say that when you score, uh, when you score four goals, but um they, they kind of ran into into big save Dave who who lived up to 
the nickname and, and made some key stops tonight. Yeah, big save, Dave. Got 44 uh, saves on 48 attempts by the Florida Panthers uh, for, for this one. And on the other end, the Florida Panthers, since coming off of the Olympic break slash all-star break, they've done a really good job in front of Sergei Bobrovsky, not allowing so many shots against in the last few games. But I spoke about on the on the podcast a few times that even with the – few goals that Bobrovsky have let in there's been a little bit of questionable um goals uh letting in but this game was about an average amount of shots on goals against for the Florida Panthers and Bobrovsky there is there is a more than one goal that we could say that you question yourself is like mm, maybe he should have gotten that one um I, I'm not sure if there was a screen on that Roman Yossi goal I need to see the replay again and and but just and Bobrovsky was asked if um excuse me Bruno was asked if uh, Bobrovsky was burnt out and Bruno uh said that gave up too many opportunities in front of him and he, a, goal, a coach is never going to blame their goalie for um losses but what do you think of the workload that Bobrovsky is having right now yeah so for the first for his first time as a panther he's really become the the every night uh, kind of guy just what you expect for the price tag, but um, maybe maybe not the the best strategy going forward. Um, in, in the past, we've had Chris Drieger, and they were they were alternating almost on a nightly basis, so you didn't really see Bob having to handle a long string of games. Um, I feel like a goalie is more affected by that that little uh, kind of hangover uh, coming off of a long road trip, and and he started. Uh, he was starting every game on that road trip and then comes back, has to play at home. So it, it's a quick turnaround for him. Maybe he was a little bit burnt out. Um, I, I really I can't see him not starting the Columbus game. He, he tends to play well against his former team. So I would expect to see him in that game. But um, I got to think either, or either JoJo or, or Spencer Knight is going to end up getting at least a start or two on this homestand because you can't. You can't burn the tread off of your goalie before playoff time. They have to kind of manage his his workload a little bit. Yeah, and Bobrovsky was the starter in both of the wins against the Columbus Blue Jackets, both when they scored right. nine goals in the first one and eight goals in the second go-round against um, the Columbus Blue Jackets. But even before this, um, the, the road trip started in Carolina, Andrew Burnett did say that uh, Spencer Knight will be coming back sometime throughout the homestand. We don't know when. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess is after the Edmonton game because the Florida Panthers will have four days off, and then they bring um they the Ottawa Senators and the Detroit Red Wings come to town towards the tail end of the homestand. So that gives, looking at the schedule, I think that with that four day gap and the Charlotte checkers having a few more games under their belt, I think that really gives an, um, an opportunity for not only Bobrovsky to get a little bit of a rest, but the whole team as well, regardless of whether they win these next two games or lose these next two. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially down the stretch, everyone's kind of playing through something right now and uh, the schedule is unforgiving. So getting a couple day break in there, it, it helps to, to let the guys regroup. Um, they tend to, they tend to do really well at home regardless. They, they tend to find the energy in the legs, but um, a break like that is huge. 
especially if you're going to integrate Spencer Knight back into things. And um, uh, looking at the schedule, I I think you, you make a good point on when we might see him return. And I would really, really be interested in seeing him start that Ottawa game. Um, I, I would love to see him uh, start that game and see how he handles that challenge, uh, because that was probably his toughest hockey game. I would say most likely in his entire hockey career, giving up eight goals to to the Senators at home uh, earlier this season. So I'd love to see him bounce back and get that start. Absolutely. And people were wondering why uh, he wasn't pulled and people were questioning whether Bobrovsky was having an injury at the time. And that was right before the COVID shutdown of the entire NHL on December 14th when that game happened. And even so the Florida Panthers, they, uh, they snapped their nine game home uh, winning streak. They still score four goals. They still find a way, but just uh, like you said, a few mental errors on the Florida Panthers side, their first time this whole season that they've lost a game when having a two goal lead and the Nashville Predators, they just found ways to just respond quickly. It's just the Florida Panthers just, never found a way to get comfortable. And do you think that was just a product of being too comfortable on their home ice as far as um, the Florida Panthers, even when they took a lead? Yeah, I think it was just a little bit of laziness, um, a little bit of sloppiness. Um, it just goes to show you, you can never really take your foot off the gas. And a team that, that may not be completely physically tired, but just a little bit mentally tired coming off of that road trip, you start to make a little a little bit of those mental errors, and you could see it. It, it caught up with them. Um, like Bruno said after the game, it, it was it was after goals. They would have a bad shift or two after after scoring a goal, where you think you can kind of relax a little bit. And Nashville just jumped all over them repeatedly um, after after they conceded a goal. So um, yeah, just got to learn how to. I won't say they have to learn because they've done a good job all season, but they have to get comfortable with protecting a lead. Um, maybe don't go, don't press so much for offense, just learn how to lock it down a little bit after you get that two goal advantage uh, and then just pick your, pick your spots when you want to attack. It doesn't have to be full attack all the time. And then, um, obviously Sam Bennett, the penalty late in the game was a mental lapse. And, uh, Bennett is probably the guy who's, who, who we've seen do that, uh, a handful of times you want to see that cleaned up, especially going into the playoffs, but, uh, he took full accountability for it. And I, I think he's going to bounce back from that. Um, but I, you did touch on it with the offense. It, it's nice when you can look at at a sloppy game and, and the offense still puts in four goals. I mean, uh, the offense is definitely not an issue going forward. Mm. We're going to talk a little bit about um, some positives as well, uh, along with continuing um, the conversation with um, Sam Bennett and and some of the top six in, in this one. But first, we're going to tell you all, about Built Bar. And this is that time of year where I pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my new resolutions to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It's almost like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, marshmallow-y. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy, cinnamony, churro, Coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. So good. These are going to be your new favorite. Go to built.com and scroll down the match growth chart and you'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. At Built Bar, they're all about taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every single time. 
Go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCK15 at built.com. Welcome back to the second segment of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. I'm Armando Velez. I got Jake Winans here. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen today. And for your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local expert. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Continuing this conversation on this 6-4 to four loss against the Nashville Predators. The Florida Panthers, in the first period, they came out firing leading the shots on goal advantage as much as 11 to two in the first 15 or so minutes. And we talked a little bit about getting a little too comfortable and the Florida Panthers at towards the last seven minutes of the first period um, only got one, only got one shot on goal in that one. And then we, we were starting to see the possession numbers from the Blackhawks game go in, a reversed from that first period because in that first period for the Florida Panthers, it was 11 to three shot on goal advantage instead um, in favor of Chicago. We were starting to see that in this game, but flipped for the Panthers and seeing the energy and seeing though Sam Bennett didn't have the best game. Jonathan Huberto had quite a few turnovers that led to rushes at the other end. But I really do think that long-term Duclair on that second line is so much better for the Panthers yeah, I agree. Uh, Sam Bennett's game came back to life. He scored a goal, but it wasn't just the goal. He was just active in the offensive zone, especially. Uh, it was really forechecking hard, brought the fourth line mentality to the second line, as he usually does. Um, Huberdeau was, was his usual self um, passing, but I like you said, some turnovers that he'll have to clean up. Uh, can't say I'm too concerned about it. He's leading the league in scoring, so uh, he's obviously doing something right. And then uh, Duclair, again, was was flying. And, and that line, I think, is it's really a 1A type of line. They're, they're um, just as good as the top line. I'd love to see Duke stick on that line, but uh, it's just going to come down to who we can who we can find to place on Barkov's right wing going forward. You're absolutely right. And um, the Panthers, they had a scout at the Philadelphia Flyers game tonight. So maybe that scout was looking at a little bit of Claude Giroux uh, for for a possible trade. I I don't think it happens, but never say never for and you could and Claude Giroux can play the wing and he could play center as well. So something to keep an eye out on for for the Panthers. But you said Sam Bennett. You talked about him scoring a goal, but big save. Dave made great saves, but they took advantage of a mental error by Riddich where he tried gloving it with his non-glove hand and Sam mm-hmm. Bennett got it through the, talk about a big break for the Florida Panthers getting that because I mean, when you go so a, a, a big stretch of time without starting, sometimes your routine can be go off and maybe that's what happened with Dave Riddich. I'm, I can't really say I'm not a goalie, but that's kind of what I think um, maybe kind of contributed to that. But let's talk about the non-five-on-five stuff for the Panthers. They've been great all season with this game, but everything just fell apart um, for for the Panthers really in in that last period. And the majority of it was not not on five-on-five. I mean, Carrier cross-checks Anthony Duclair near the boards, which 
looking at that, seeing that just that cross check hurt me <laughs> seeing it. And then yeah. we talked about the bad pass by Hubie to Ekblad and then Tanner Janot just goes all by himself on, on Bobrovsky. Um, Bennett go um, cross checks Tolvanen, um, which he said bad penalty. And let's also talk about the rebound control for Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, we haven't really seen big rebounds from Sergei Bobrovsky as well. But and even if the Florida Panthers were able to clear the puck um, as well, um, what do you think of the non six on five play for the Panthers in, in this game? Yeah. So uh, honestly, the, the special teams in the third period really had a complete breakdown. Um, kind of started a little before that. Um, just the, the special teams uh, pendulum really swung in the favor of, of the, Predators. I mean, we saw Barkov get a breakaway shorthanded, uh, wasn't able to finish it, and he usually does. Um, and then, and then we have a power play after Duclair takes a, a, a nasty cross check. And I want to say Duclair probably gets beaten up more than almost anyone I've ever seen. Uh, he takes some nasty hits and just keeps getting up. But um, that, yeah, that was a tough one. And uh, yeah, yeah, Marchment, Marchment too is another one. <laughs> um, and. and you know, you think he, on that power play, you can score, really take control of the game and, and kind of put the final nail on the Predators, but instead they end up tying it. Uh, you'd like to see Bob make that save on Janot. It wasn't an overly fancy move. Um, you just got to cut off that backhand. And then, um, uh, of course, that that's a you never want to give up a shorthanded goal. Um, that was the Predators' for, uh, first shorthanded goal all season, too. So you don't want to be on the receiving end of that. And then, uh, it, yeah, the special teams really just had a complete breakdown. Uh, Bob had it, gave up a really bad rebound. No one cleared the crease, and Granlin's right there to put it in on the power play. So uh, a shorty and then a power play goal against, that'll that'll pretty much do it to you every time. Mm-hmm. We did see quite a few good things happen in this game. Mm-hmm. Gudis gets his first um, goal of the season. Um, I mean, we don't – the Florida Panthers don't rely on Radko Gudis to be a goal scorer, but, hey – there have been so many times where Radko Gudis just shoots a puck towards the boards or towards the the net and it deflects and someone goes in on a rebound. So that's one thing I like that Gudis brings to the table. But hey, great, great screen by I believe it was Mason Marchment right in front of the net. Um yeah, it was Marchie who who uh put that screen right in front of the net for um Radko Gudis's first um goal of the season. Aaron Ekblad continues his goal streak at four now and six and and a point in each of his last six games as well well into the Norris trophy conversation and Mackenzie Weger the other day he spoke to the media talking about how Aaron Ekblad definitely deserves to be in the Norris trophy candidate right now I think the leader in the race is Kale McCarr of the Colorado Avalanche but man Aaron Ekblad is really picking up this whole season where he left off right before he fractured his leg and this four four game goal streak we're starting to see some things that Aaron Ekblad doesn't really do like we saw breakaways just last week for an overtime winner and we're we're now and we're we're seeing more of really number one overall pick worthy Aaron Ekblad yeah um you definitely touched on it and and what a what a defenseman matchup tonight Yossi and Ekblad two Norris Trophy candidates going head to head both scoring a goal um I think Ekblad has solidified himself. He's got, I would think he's got to be a finalist for Norris, for the Norris trophy this year. His point totals are there, but I think his two-way play puts him ahead of guys like Adam Fox. 
Um, his two-way play puts him probably ahead of Victor Hedman this year. Um, so I think you have to consider him as a, as a finalist. Um, but yeah, just so much of what he's doing. Uh, we've thought he's, he's been limited by his foot speed and, and uh, in the past and things like that, but breakaways, rush goals, he, he's really doing it all. Um, and he, he continues to, he continues to live up to that number one overall pick billing that took a while for him to reach uh, due to injuries and some development setbacks and coaching changes and things like that. But it's really great to see. And I would definitely uh, say that he's, in my opinion, has has surpassed what he was doing pre-injury last year. Uh, just right from the right from the jump this season, two goals in the season opener at home. And, and he's, in my opinion, has, has really uh, taken a huge step forward. It has passed what he was already doing last season, which is remarkable after the injury he suffered. Mm-hmm. And Anton Lundell didn't get an assist on that goal because there was a quick change of possession right before uh, mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Ekblad grabbed the puck in the air and then went by himself. But man, Anton Lundell creating a turnover right before that is just, he's just continuing his, his growth as a hockey player, especially his defensive game um, as well. So that that is really what really stuck out to me in that goal as well. And it's crazy at that time it was to make it three, one. And then you, you, you three goals. I, I have it right in front of me, three goals in a two in one minute and 40 and one minute and 49 seconds span. You have three goals and I'm just writing all my stuff down right in between. And I, I have to look back up at, at the TV every single time and that I have to stop like mid sentence and it just back and forth. The Florida Panthers were just, unable to really get comfortable this whole game but hey the the Florida Panthers as far as a record going into the third period with a lead that one at least that record was at least not spoiled because they went into the third period tied for the lead but one more thing that I want to talk about is that we spoke all about in our round table the other day that we we both agree that long term it's best for Barkoff and Huberto to be on separate lines. But now we saw Andrew Burnett kind of experimented more as in one shift at a time and then going back to his 911 line for um Bennett, um uh, Bennett, Hubi, and Duclair, and then Barkoff back with Verhage and Mammon. And though they lost, and it's easy to see because they lost that Andrew Burnett, if he's gonna stick with it, he should do it the whole game whole game. But I actually am in favor of Andrew Brunette only doing it for one or two shifts instead of doing it, instead of doing it at the 13 minute mark and doing it the rest of the way because he did it first at the 13 minute mark and then he did it one more time towards the end of the game. Do you think that so my question for you is, do you think that if he does make that line change that he should stick it in for the rest of the game? Um, I don't and, and you touched on it a little bit, but I'm not sure if you uh immediately picked up on the significance of that timestamp there, uh, the 13-minute mark. He's putting Barkov, Huberdeau, and Reinhardt together at the 13-minute mark before the TV timeout, um, mm. which I think is interesting because it, it gives you um, a, like a quick super shift before they can get their, they can get that TV timeout and rest, and you're not double shifting anyone. They're just going back to the regular line after the TV timeout, which I think is really, really smart game management. Uh, from from Andrew Brunette, uh, and we have to give him credit for that. Um, Barkov, Huberdeau, Reinhardt, 
for a shift at, e at each TV timeout down the stretch in the third period. I, I think it's really smart to do that. Um, it, it's like you're playing with house money as far as their time on ice. You can get them together and then give them a rest and send them back to their original lines. Um, so, no, I don't think they should do it for the, the entire rest of the game once making that switch, as long as he keeps it around those timeout periods. Um, but, yeah, you, you touched on the Claude Giroux rumors. I don't see that happening, but um, definitely got to find um, a, a concrete answer for Barkov's right wing going forward so that they don't have to adjust the lines as much. Because Mammon, he's shown in, in spots that he's capable. Tonight wasn't his best game in his first game back, but um, it's been a revolving door. Uh, for that right wing spot for Barkov and they got to find a, a long-term solution for the rest of the season. Absolutely. And one thing that I got to see more and more is the Florida Panthers being the home team and taking advantage of getting the last change as well. Yeah. Um, you, you see, you see that Nashville is putting one team and it's like, Oh, we're going to Barkov and Huberto on this one. So I kind of saw that they were taking advantage of that uh, as well. So that, that is really what, uh, what I, I I kind of noticed of what Andrew Burnett was doing. And you made a good point with TV timeouts, getting more of the rest, double shifting. So honestly, um, something I didn't even really think of on that one. So thank you for that, Jake. So so we're going to talk about the rest of the homestand for the Florida Panthers, but we're also going to talk about a player that was sent down to the AHL um today some roster moves for for the florida panthers we're going to talk about that in the next segment but first we're going to tell you all about bet online and football might be over this season but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds totals player performance props to the next fired head coach is going to land betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs betonline remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season it's not just basketball BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And this episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to, for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait until the person behind the counter orders the parts for their computer? Choose the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Same time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 50, 30, or 100% more on the same parts at a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 30 years. Rockauto.com's prices are reliably low for every company customer they have everything you could need brake parts tail lamps motor oil and even new carpet go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com Continue on with this conversation on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. I'm Armando Velez. I got Jake Winans here um, talking about this 6-4 to four loss against the Nashville Predators. Not the end of the world, Florida Panther fans. Um, just only their fourth loss at on home ice this whole season. And multiple, almost, they almost got a second uh, double-digit winning streak on home ice. So nothing to hang our, he our hat on um, for, for this one. But... Jacob, there was a roster move that happened 
today and we were anticipating this once morning skate happened and we saw that Max and Mammon was inserted on that top line and alternated with um, Nolachari and seeing that Tippett was an extra as well. So there had to be a corresponding roster move for this one. And what we anticipated happened. Owen Tippett being sent down to AHL Charlotte. And I spoke about this in our group chat saying that Owen Tippett is in a lose-lose situation right now because being sent down to AHL Charlotte doesn't increase his trade value. But when he is on the ice for the Florida Panthers, we don't see that we don't see the energy that that Owen Tippett that we anticipated Owen Tippett bringing like we saw in the preseason as well. Like like what we saw with before Coach Q resigned and when he was inserted in that second line in the playoffs. What are you thinking of this um, of this demotion of Owen Tippett right now? Yeah, so we knew it was coming. Um, the writing was on the wall when Achari came off of long-term IR. We had one too many forwards, and and someone had was going to be squeezed out. Um, naturally, it's going to be the one guy who doesn't have to go through waivers. Um, so rather than risk losing Joe Thornton or Frank Vitrano or Noel Achari or Maxime, well, Mammon is going to be in the lineup, but um, he would not be waiver eligible. But rather than losing one of those veteran players to waivers, um, you send Tippett. He hasn't been performing at the NHL level. Um, I, I kind of talked about it in our chat. Um, the, the coaching change seemed to really affect his game. Um, he seems to be the type of player who needs a coach who's going to push him and, and drive him uh, to to stay on top of his game and give that effort. And um, I won't say his effort hasn't been there this season. It's just been spotty. Um, he's had a couple of tough slumps that are hard on a young player mentally. And um, we've seen a lot of players hit the, hit a wall in their sophomore season. Huberto is one that comes to mind, uh, who had a really bad second year in the league. And you see you see that happen sometimes. It's just more magnified when it's on a contender. Um, so it, if he if he survives playing, staying with the Panthers through the trade deadline, I would assume he'd be back up on the NHL roster when the playoff rosters expand. Um, I don't see that happening. I really do feel like he's going to be traded for, for a win now piece. Um, but like you said, the AHL is not really going to help his game any. He, he's too good for that league. Uh, he went down earlier this season and averaged well over a point per game in his short stint there. He's too good for that league now. Um, so it's not helping his trade value, not really helping his development that much, uh, except maybe to get his confidence back. So uh, he's in a tough spot right now. Um, if he does stick with the Panthers past the trade deadline, I think he still has a, a bright future ahead of him. Um, but if he ends up somewhere else, I still think he's got a bright future. I just, um, it, it just may not be with the Panthers and, and that would be unfortunate for him. But um, yeah, he, he's got to get his development back on track and he's in a tough spot right now to do it here. Yeah. And, and I like what you said about um, what he did last go round when, when he was down in AHL Charlotte just earlier this season. And, when you said when you mentioned someone who doesn't have to go through waivers or risking losing someone, I have a hard time with the season that they're having that someone like Frank Vitrano wouldn't be claimed um, from uh, off of waivers. But I right. I think they I think they didn't put him on waivers because he's been on this team for so long and he means so much to that locker room that the 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 guys around him he's really liked around the locker room. He's been around for a while and. I think that would 
I think if you were to put Frank Vetrano on waivers, that would send shockwaves around the locker room and it wouldn't bode well as far as the relationships with the rest of the team. Agreed. Yeah. So, yeah. So somebody, like you said, somebody had to take that, that bait for, for, for the Panthers. And unfortunately it was Owen Tippett and I, Hey, we're, we're hoping that we get to see him sometime on the active roster again. And Hey, maybe he gets another chance in that top six role and he gets to flourish in it. But right now it's not looking too good for um, Owen Tippett. And we, we hope the best for him down in AHL. And like you said, get his confidence back and all, but Jacob, I like to thank you for joining the show on what Wednesdays are now going to be Winans Wednesdays on locked on Panthers. So tell the people where they can follow you online. Yes, you can find my work at pantherparkway.com. And uh, I'm more active on Twitter. Uh, so my Twitter handle is at Jacob Winans 8. Uh, I'm usually uh, tweeting during the games and, and uh, keeping up with the Panthers news there. And one of the one of the most entertaining uh, tweeters, especially when uh, when uh, things don't go well for the Panthers, he keeps it uh, pretty real <laughs> on, on, on that end. So just loves the ice. I personally see all the rants in the in the chat, but then when it gets on the Twitter and seeing it, it's uh, it's pretty entertaining, <laughs> and, and all of you guys listening get to really see it. But um, thank thank you, uh, Jacob, once again for joining the show. Absolutely, ha- happy to be here. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. So tomorrow we are going to preview the game against the. Columbus Blue Jackets as they'll be um, making their second and final visit to Sunrise, Florida. Um, last time, last go round, the, the Florida Panthers scored nine, and then their second go round in uh, uh, in Columbus, they scored eight. So we'll be talking more about that game uh, on Thursday night, which will be an ESPN Plus slash Hulu exclusive for uh, this game. So if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast so you'll be notified every single time the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Make sure to subscribe to Locked On NHL and the Crosscheck NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark of the Week covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen today. And for your second listen today, make sure to listen to today's episode of Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Host Steel Roding and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all platforms. So subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast. So I'm Armando Velez with Jake Winans. And you've been listening to Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. <laughs>